forever. Dog! Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And hey to our podcast, Scary Scary Stories Stories to to Tell tell on the Pod. pod. It is a podcast about scary stories, urban legends, and true spooky things that you told us about. And it's all very funny. (laughs) Won't you come and laugh? Did you know that we make funny? We do teeny tiny little jokes. They're so (laughs) small, can hardly see them. (laughs) Uh, how are you well into your social distancing, Anna? I feel like a natural. I was doing this my last week of my hiatus anyway. Um, I, I felt a little cooped. I'm not, yeah. I'll be honest. I felt cooped. And um, Jason and I took Ladybird for a walk in a mostly abandoned park today. Oh. And it was just what the doctor ordered. And then we yeah. saw a bunch of bees dead on the f- sidewalk. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I thought you were going to say a bunch of bees had taken over. Like this was no. their moment. No, the bees were were heading on out. Um, So that was hard. Um, Did you see, this is a little bit of good news in spite of everything terrible. Did you see that the canals of Venice are clear again? (gasps) Are they? And like fish have come back and swans have come back. Jeez Louise. I I was wondering if there would be any positive um, environmental effects. Yeah. Not that this is good in any way. I was just like, there has to be some kind of sad upshot somewhere right right and maybe that's it i mean i don't know Uh, it's it's probably not worth it in the end but let's just find silver linings where we can right yeah like what what are the good um (laughs) how about you what do you what's your social disc looking like oh a lot of watching the (gasps) x-files oh really yeah i watched that as a child there were a bunch of like monster of the week episodes i hadn't seen before those are my favorite. Me too, which, and I'm really catching ones? up on those, and I love which, them. Which ones are you into? What are you uh, liking? Okay, the ones I've seen so far, okay, there's the one where the two mean cheerleaders have gotten telekinetic powers from the planets, and they <laughs> are causing a satanic panic in their small town in New Hampshire. I have that no memory pre- of that. Yeah, that, it was pretty fun. I don't remember it either. I think it's called Syzygy. S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. Oh, that's like a, a is that third season? That's early, right? Yeah, it was like okay. season three. And then yeah. there's another one called Grotesque about an Eastern European artist who gets possessed by a gargoyle who makes him kill beautiful men. And then he targets oh. um, Mulder because, you know. Mulder's a beautiful man. Duchovny. Although he doesn't end up killing Mulder. And then Mulder's like, why didn't I get killed like the other beautiful men? So... Think about that. How? That's hurtful. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. We love the X-Files because it's spooky. Yeah. And and, and also like, also kind of like fun and carefree, especially the monsters of the week ones uh, usually tend to be a little bit lighter, although some are, are very dark. Those were all my favorite, like all the bottle episodes. My favorite as a child was Hollywood AD, where um, <laughs> Taya Leone and Gary Shandling play uh, versions of Mulder and Scully. Wow. And That's David Duchovny wrote and I believe directed it. Uh, and it, we I rewatched it with friends recently and it's it's 
certifiably the worst episode. It shows skeletons dancing around and like ghosts and stuff at the end, which breaks the entire point of the entire show, which is like the the doubt. It just shows ghosts dancing when no one's around. Yeah. Yeah. I always liked the one with, um, oh gosh, where it's like vampires and Luke Wilson is like a hot sheriff, but Mulder remembers him being ugly with big, horrible teeth. And Scully remembers him being like very sexy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that one's Oh, fun. that's good. So, uh, Anna, today is a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday and no one can take that away from us. They certainly can't. Time does still have meaning if we give it meaning. And damn yeah. it, today's a Wednesday. Uh, and well, Anna, it is my turn. Well, well, damn, you better, you'd better, you'd better say something spooky. Oh, hey, I got something spooky right here because today's Urban Legisode is about haunted paintings, baby. <gasps> Andrew! I thought this one would be fun. Uh, that's so good. There's some really good ones. Um, okay, so haunted I'm going to start. paintings, sorry, go ahead. There is a true treasure trove. How's that for alliteration? Um Ooh. Of haunted paintings. I'm going to start with um, maybe the most easily accessible one that I found online, which is called The Crying Boy. Oh, no. I'm already off board. Yeah. I'm not on board. <laughs> okay. So this comes from our favorite book, Wikipedia. <laughs> the Crying Boy is a mass-produced print of a painting by Italian painter Giovanni Bregolin. It was widely distributed from the 50s onward. I love that it's a mass-produced painting. Oh, it's, yeah, some TJ Maxx art? Yeah, and it's of oh a crying God. boy. I am I feel I've definitely seen this in some of your grandparents' homes at some point, probably in the you've, mid-90s. You've been in all of them. Yep. Did you know? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> there are numerous alternative versions, oh. all portraits of tearful young boys or girls. In addition to being widely known, certain urban legends attribute a curse to the painting. Oh, God. Uh, I just Google image searched it. and I'm, Did you see? I don't like it. It's haunted. It is. It looks very haunted. Um, but here's some background of it before we get to the spooky thing. Um, apparently, there was like a sequel portrait series done in 2020 by Dutch photographer slash actor Noah Valentine inspired by the painting The Crying Boy from his childhood, and it presents a whole new series of 33 grown-up versions of The Crying Boys. I, I actually, I don't even want to mess with this. Let's get to the spooky. Oh, no, okay. that's scary. Grown-up versions, I don't like I that. <laughs> Crying men? No thanks. No, <laughs> awful. He did something wrong. <laughs> that's true. When a man cries. No, we love and encourage men to show their emotions. That's true. That's true. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So we'll paint it. On September 5th, 1985, the British tabloid newspaper The Sun reported that an Essex firefighter claimed that undamaged copies of the painting were frequently found amidst the ruins of burned houses. Uh. By the end of November, belief in the painting's curse was widespread enough that The Sun was organizing mass bonfires of the paintings sent in by readers. What? Yeah. I love this. Okay. So then Steve Punt, a British writer and comedian, <laughs> investigated the curse of the crying boy in a BBC Radio 4 production called Punt P.I. <laughs> no. If he if this is a quote from him, you have to do it in an accent. Oh, damn. He doesn't have a quote. Okay. That's right. Hello. Hello, Gav. We're going to find the source of this haunted painting, we is. Mr. Sorry. Punt. Mr. Punt, give us a ghost. <laughs> 
Although the format of the programs are comic in nature, Punt researched the actual history of the Crying Boy painting. The conclusion reached by the program, following testing at the building research establishment, is that the prints were treated with a varnish containing fire retardant, Uh. and that the string holding the painting to the wall would be the first to deteriorate, resulting in the painting landing face down on the floor and thus being protected, although no explanation was given as to why no other paintings were turning up unscathed. Oh my god, Andrew. Isn't that spooky? That feeling when your string burn and you fall down and that's why you're fine. <laughs> I fully feel like my string has burned and I've fallen down flat on my face. Yeah. And my that's ass why we're gonna, burnt. We're going to survive. Yeah. Um, oh my okay. God. So that's the first one. Um, these you, You're seeing the image of the crying boy? Yeah. I don't know why anyone would want this in their home. Yeah, much it's less strange. a lot of people. This was a thing. This was a thing that I feel like adults loved. My parents have one of... Um, it's kind of an etching of like a seven-year-old boy saying to like a four-year-old boy, like he looks like he's like explaining the four-year-old boy is crying. The seven-year-old boy is sitting on a bench, like reasoning with him. And then the title of the etching below says, tomorrow, I promise. Oh. Yeah. I don't know the story behind that. I guess your parents wanted to see their sort of parental guilt represented in the art that they had. Maybe. Maybe yeah. I think maybe I think maybe my mom thought the two kids looked like my oldest two brothers. I think uh, that's what my only guess is why someone would want a an image of a crying like really sad looking child in their house is that it's kind of cute and it sort of I guess looks like white people's children. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's creepy to me is and so there are like several different versions of the crying boy painting. The one I'm looking at does kind of look like the child's face is illuminated by flame. Whoa. Which is very Which, eerie to me. Is it the one where he's sort of wearing a neckerchief? Yes, and he's got blue eyes. Yes. Yeah, all of these, he looks pretty blue-eyed. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, he's he likes fire, I guess. The boy likes... The boy's crying because he wanted to be burned up. Yeah, this... I feel like Jason and I, when we were on the road, we saw a painting in a bathroom of a little boy holding his shirt all the way up and peeing. Oh, no. And I feel like there's a lot of little boy peeing art, too, that I don't fully relate to that I guess is cute if you have a little boy who pees. I don't know why we're <laughs> obsessed with that. You know what I mean? I like, don't know. Also, statues. Like, I just don't love that. I don't know. Also, where's the representation? Get us little girl peeing statues now. <laughs> that will help and be good <laughs> and will help. I think that in, I, I think I don't I don't exactly know the full like flow difference of urine that comes out of a man versus a woman or a penis <laughs> versus a vagina. Um, I suspect that maybe the cost would be higher. I don't know. I think if she's just squatting, that's true. Yeah, I don't, don't need to, to make assumptions. Look, we're not. I, well, you're an artist. You should know. <laughs> I was going to say we're not artists, but the fact is you're an artist. The first day you're of visual artist. art class in sixth grade, that was the first thing they talked about. And the teacher was fired. <laughs> <laughs> was the peeing? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, listen. Let me tell you the difference between urines. Our friend Billy Domino did have a solo show called I Need to Tell You About the Pee. Yeah. Which was and very good. It is amazing. And I never, I never want to see it again. It's like one of the funniest shows I've ever seen, and I just never want to see it again. <laughs> I've only seen parts of it. I, I did not get to see the entire thing. It ends with Billy in almost complete darkness, 
come on stage. It's it's sort of like a bunker at the end of the world. It feels too close to home now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's we a should, lot. He should, we should encourage him to do it on Instagram Live and then watch his whole life burn down. Yeah, Quibi has already optioned it. It's it's done. It's in it's in with Quib. So, in, after finding this first haunted painting, I was thinking a lot about like the trope of the haunted painting, which is very old. Um, obviously, there's the picture of Dorian Gray, uh, right. Bram Stoker's story, The Judge's House, which features a haunted painting. Um, M.R. James, who's like the the father of the modern ghost story, had several stories that were about haunted paintings. H.P. Lovecraft. I'm curious about like what the what the earliest story about a living painting is. You know? Yeah. Oh, like a living, like a painting that has life in it. Yeah, yeah. Like I guess a version of that is sort of like, oh, what's the one that? Um, my Fair Lady is based on... Pygmalion. Yes. I guess there's that of like a statue coming to life. But painting is like a specific thing. Like, where did the story about eyes on a painting following you come from? You know? Oh, that's from uh, Disney. That's Disney. Yep. Circa circa now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Think about the scary haunted mansion all abandoned right now. Oh, Ooh. God. And all the ashes of people who've been dropped. All green ghosts come out to socialize, but they can't. <laughs> they can't. They just can't. They just they gotta stay in their doom buggies. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, yeah, I know. It's so interesting. Like the idea that if you draw a picture of a face, maybe the face will come to life is oh. like such a basic baby idea, but also I know. I, is pretty convincing. I guess that's it. I guess whenever you draw a likeness of a human being. You're kind of asking for trouble. And and way back when, when there was like zero stimulus, like, good Lord, that would be terrifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think about it's it's sort of the dirty version of it, but like scrimshaw pornography where they take like oh. whale teeth or bones and sort of carve naked ladies on it or like oh. carve them into boobs. It's, it's in the lighthouse. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like a carving of a boob, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that's a girl. That absolutely is a girl. The, the most contemporary version I can think of is that Chris tells this very endearing story that when he was a little kid, um, he was he like knew he was interested in the male form, but knew that there was maybe something strange about that. So he would draw naked men on toilet paper and then flush it down the toilet. So there'd be no evidence. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Which to me That's- is... So oh, funny. Sweet. Yeah. Oh my God. What we wouldn't give for that toilet paper now. <laughs> I know. I know. Some um some like subterranean people have found it and we'll use it to blackmail him one day. Oh my God. Chris is the sweetest angel. I know. Very pure. Okay. So um, this next one, uh, this one's a pretty famous one. It's a painting titled The Hands Resist Him. Have you oh. seen this one, Anna? No, I'm Googling it. Okay, buckle up. This one's scary. I'm scared. I'm scared just thinking about the title The Hands Resist Him. Yeah, it's a hard this. it's a hard title. Hold on. The Hands uh, Yeah, see? Uh, no, 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 no. The more you look, the more there's to see that you don't like. Oh. So, uh this painting is of kind of a toe-headed child, almost like a real-life Calvin of Calvin and Hobbes. 
uh, standing on a on a stoop outside of a French uh, paneled uh, door, Fucking and he's standing hell. next to uh, a shoulder height too large doll. Yes, that from from the outside appears to be holding a gun, but I think it is actually a battery. Yeah, it's some kind of metal something with wires coming out the top. Yeah, and then she's in the like back, a my size Barbie, but a doll. Right, as if as if toddlers were like, I want a toddler the size of me. You know? Yeah, no, we wanted an adult Barbie the size of us. We didn't right. want a child Barbie the size of us. Somehow less strange. And yeah. the maybe the creepiest element of it is in the background, up against the lower panes of the glass, are all these tiny hands pressed up against the glass, deeply it's not- troubling. It's not. What is this? So uh, it's a painting created by artist Bill Stoneham, uh, which he started in 1972. It was completed in 1974. It depicts a young boy and female doll standing in front of a glass panel door against which many hands are pressed. According to Stoneham, the boy is based on a photograph of himself at age five. The doorway is a representation of the dividing line between the waking world and the world of fantasy and impossibilities while the doll is a guide that will escort the boy through it. The titular hands represent alternate lives or possibilities. I'm going to say, after taking many design classes, that's not the vibe I'm getting from it, but it is valuable to know that that's what the artist intended. It it does seem like it's a little boy inventor with his robot female assistant and then all the people he's killed or yes. something. Yes. That is exactly like, it. <laughs> it does look like the doll is his invention who who he regrets building. And then there's some sort of moon in the top pane. Yes. It almost looks like a reflection of a photograph flashbulb. Oh, spooky. Yeah. But that is scary. also scary. Scary. Uh, so this painting became the subject of an urban legend and a viral internet meme in February 2000 when it was posted for sale on eBay, along with a description implying that it was haunted. Um, the painting was first displayed at the Fine Garden Gallery in Beverly Hills, California during the early 1970s. A one-man Stoneham show at the gallery, which included the piece, was reviewed by the art critic at the Los Angeles Times. During the show, the painting was purchased by actor John Marley, notable for his work as Jack Waltz in The Godfather. Sometime after Marley's death, the painting was found on the site of an old brewery by an elderly Californian couple, as stated in their original eBay listing. The painting appeared on the auction website eBay in February 2000. According to the seller, the aforementioned couple, the painting carried some form of curse. Their eBay description made a series of claims that the painting was cursed or haunted. Including in these claims were that the characters in the painting moved during the night and that they would sometimes leave the painting and enter the room in which it was being displayed. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Also included with the listing were a series of photographs that were said to be evidence of an incident in which the female doll character threatened the male character with a gun. Oh, yeah, I think it looks like a gun that she was holding, causing him to attempt to leave the painting. A discla- oh. Yeah. A disclaimer was included with the listing absolving the seller of all liability. Classic for eBay listings about cursed things. You got to have the disclaimer. You got to claim hard and then disclaim hard. Um. News of the listing was spreading quickly by internet users who forwarded the link to their friends or wrote their own pages about it. Some people claimed that simply viewing the photos of the painting made them feel ill or have unpleasant experiences. Eventually, the auction page was viewed over 30,000 times. Whoa. 
After an initial bid of $199, the painting eventually received 30 bids and sold for $1,025. The buyer, Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan, eventually contacted Bill Stoneham and related the unusual story of its auction on eBay and their acquisition (laughs) of it. He reported being quite surprised by all the stories and strange interpretations of the images in the painting. According to the artist, the object presumed by the eBay sellers to be a gun is actually nothing more than a dry cell battery and a tangle of wires. Got it. Stoneham recalls that both the owner of the gallery in which the painting was first displayed and the art critic who reviewed it died within one year of coming in contact with the painting. Whoa. (laughs) Spooky. Is that true? I guess so, according to Stoneham. My God. Um, apparently, due to all this excitement, Stoneman, uh, Stoneham did, like, um, uh, sequels to the paintings, The Hands Invent Him, Threshold of Revelation, um, Resistance at the Threshold, and it was, like, checking in with the little boy, uh, like, years later. Wow. Oh. Yeah, isn't that, one, isn't that crazy? I'm spooked. I think it's so interesting how much more power something has when we don't know anything about it? You know? Truly. Now I'm heading over to scoopwoop.com. Yes. Stories behind 10 of the most haunted paintings in the world that you didn't want to own ever. Hmm. <laughs> the tense of that it. is kind of strange. Ever. Ever. Okay. Um, there are a lot of these that are like vaguer... Um, that are like people reported having strange feelings when they see this thing. But right. okay, this one, this one, it's mostly the image that is shocking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend you look it up, Anna. This one okay. is called Love Letters Replica. Oh, yeah. Um, no, it's a little girl with flowers. Little girl, center part or middle part. Um, very unfrightening in pink with a bouquet of flowers and what appears to be a gift certificate with a ribbon on it. <laughs> It looks like a child version of Natasha Leone. Wow. Wow, you're right. The the body of the hair. Uh wow. so like in the same vein of paintings we don't really know the story behind entirely. This is a painting that's on display at the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas. And apparently in 1887, a US senator named Houston lost his 4-year-old daughter Samantha after she fell down a flight of stairs while this painting was on display in the home, which is now a hotel. Uh, People believe that it is Houston's ghost that occupies the painting. I'm assuming Samantha Houston. Yeah. Onlookers at the hotel have claimed the expression of the girl in the painting changes when you look away, even for a second. Others reported seeing the apparition of a girl playing with a ball. Which, yeah, this one's so crazy because this looks like... um, Definitely a painting you'd find in a TJ Maxx or a Marshalls. Yeah, it doesn't look like it would be anything. Right, right, which is peculiar to me. And maybe that's why it jumped out to me. Um, This one, this one I like a lot. Uh, A painting called The Rain Woman by Svetlana Uh. Teletz. Oh, yeah. Look at her. Yeah. She's got, a again, it's a very kind of Tilda Swinton, Angelica Houston look. Long, narrow face, absurdly long neck um, with, a with like, a black feathery hat uh, looking down in the rain. And this one is more, this is just, like, such a short one, but 
Having completed the painting in a mere five hours, the artist, Svetlana Telitz, revealed a hand was guiding her. After completion, owners who bought this painting returned it almost immediately after having reported insomnia, fear, unexplained sadness, and even the feeling of being watched while in the vicinity of this painting. No. Yeah, I mean, the painting is very spooky. It does sort of look like a contestant on Drag Race. Ah, uh, yes. This is Detox. I don't know anything about um, Drag Race, and I hate that I brought it up because I'm like <laughs> not knowing things, but it definitely, it looks, she she could she could really make it, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. But Rain- I wonder and- what the deal is with this stuff, like how much of this is explained by just having, like what we were talking about, like once you draw a human image. Right. Um, then you, you're, brain is spooked by it have you ever bought an original painting huh i yes i purchased a painting from a four-year-old in washington square park wow um it was called waiting in line (laughs) and it was it's really beautiful i'll I'll try to post a picture online i'm not in my house right now i'm famously in la (laughs) um but it's pretty great and it was um i think ten dollars wow have you um I haven't, which is a big bummer. I would love to I would love to buy one. I, I think it's like I think it probably feels great. Although then I would be worried that I would buy the wrong one that would then up then end up being haunted. Yeah. I I sort of like very cartoony stuff, like drawings of people, but then also very abstract. Like I don't like anything in between. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, something really has to strike you in order to like um, inspire you to buy a painting. Yeah, um, I have some original drawings from like Tim Platt and Lorelai Ramirez, which I treasure very much. But I feel <laughs> like a drawing can't be haunted. It kind of has to be like paintings are haunted. That's true. Yeah. Chris, for our first anniversary, um, paid Branson Reese, who's an incredibly talented uh, illustrator, cartoonist, artist in general, uh, to draw Chris and I as Elliot and E.T. in the bicycle scene. <laughs> And it's incredible. It's hanging in our bathroom. And it is, I would say it's a cursed image, but I love it very much. <laughs> oh, really? I think it's the opposite of a cursed image. It I makes think me happy. It's, ha- so, it's a positive curse. It doesn't, it makes me feel the opposite of spooked. It makes <laughs> me feel um, happy for my friends who are E.T. and Elliot. <laughs> I, I really do love it. And anyone who uses our bathroom, it's the first thing they talk about afterwards. So thank you, Branson. Oh, yes. Um, okay. I got one more. Okay, great. Uh, This one is a more famous artiste, Uh, and I'm reading this from mysteriousuniverse.org. This is by a writer named Paul Seaburn. The title, Haunted Painting Scares Owner into Selling It at Auction. A painting put up for auction in New Zealand recently based its value on the idea that it is haunted, and, no surprise here, someone bought it. Are they insane? (laughs) Clueless or looking to write a new horror screenplay. Uh, Purchased in, oh gosh, uh, Pawanui, it's spelled P-A-U-A-N-U-I, at an antique shop. Uh, Suspected as haunted, not cursed, but suspect something came into the house with it. Fell off the wall one night, and another night a shadowy figure was cast, moving from the upstairs room window where painting is hung. No one in room investigated and my own shadow was cast onto the driveway when I looked out the winding window. The winding. <laughs> winding. 
Creepy, partner asleep, and no one else in house. Selling as it's too creepy to have. Great for someone who's interested in the paranormal. Someone was interested in this painting called Haunted Painting, Soul Bowl, Acrylic. Oh, you know what? This is not by a famous artist. Um, it just, they, one of the, one of the photos they use is the dead mother by Edvard Munch. Oh yeah. Oh, I saw that one. It's very spooky. That one's very spooky, but yeah, this is not that painting. This one's called soul bowl acrylic (laughs) and won the auction yesterday with a final bid of $150. Uh, perhaps it could have gone for more if the seller had taken a little more time and photographed the painting in a nicer setting. It was shown leaning against a car's bumper in a garage, and one picture included a set of bare feet. An inscription on the side reads, Soul is a bowl. (laughs) But no explanation is given or speculated. In the comments and frequently asked questions, the seller says the artist's name is Jill and is possibly a local. I'm looking at what this painting looks like. I'm looking at it right now. It's pretty funny. Whoa. Um. Oh yeah! Oh, that is spooky. It's a bowl. It's a but bowl. It looks like hell in kind of a hellish setting. Yes, that's a soul bowl, baby. Yeah, there's sort of like orange and red streaks in the background. It's very blood looking. Like yes. it's all shades of blood, like fresh blood and clotted blood. That kind of a vomity vibe too. Yeah. It also on one side it says "soul is a bowl," <laughs> and then it says "the shape of my." And then I can't see any others. (laughs) I do love how people choose to showcase the wares they're selling on eBay and the like. I know. Don't take a picture in the parking lot. Make it fun. Don't do it. Make it fun. Make it nice. Make it Um, nice. Make it even. Anna, I'm super curious if any of our listeners have a haunted painting in their home or haunted photographs or something that like moves so they feel uneasy about. Yeah, or even just like a picture of a painting that looks like it would be haunted. Like if you have um, painting or art in your house. Yes. Or your house growing up or. Yeah, send us that. Anna, I've shown you the painting. I, I know I've mentioned to the podcast before the painting my aunt got me for Christmas a couple years ago, which I love. And it is just of a ghost. Yeah, it's, Wait, so yeah, it's like a sheet ghost. It's like a sheet ghost with like a very kind of plain Jane face. Um, yeah. Bare feet, kind of Zoftig, standing mm-hmm. in what looks like a windy forest. And I love it. I think it's so fun. It's very good. Maybe you post a picture of that for the episode. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Um, yeah, Kyle Ayers has a painting of a seagull that he got at a garage sale that was supposed to be haunted that fell off the wall a bunch um and that story used to scare me a lot and now i think maybe we just didn't know how to hang paintings back then (laughs) you know i've i think i've told the story about um when claire rothrock and i lived together on avenue d in new york um claire bought from a yard sale this old old photograph that was like mounted on an ancient frame and on the back written in pencil uh it said keep painting it has power (laughs) and the photograph was of like a family and when we hung it up in our living room uh gradually a white spot appeared on it that then grew and enveloped the whole picture pretty much and all their faces disappeared good yeah um couple things (laughs) 
definitely there was something wrong with the photograph. And Correct. I have to say that because I'm spooked. Yep. Um, to, uh, was it like on the back of the frame or on the photo? If I recall correctly, it was on the sort of um, paper covering on the back of the frame. So maybe it used to be a painting and then someone put a photo in it? Oh, interesting. It might have said photo has power. Oh, I, I, or picture has power. I forget Keep what it was. Paint. I'll wow. ask Claire. We got to know. And also, I do believe we've told that entire cycle of our personal haunted stories before in the podcast. So we will be putting $20 in the Chris Ryan Memorial Fund. That is correct. And everybody, listen, we're all just in this together. Again, there's going to be some repeat stories. Everything's fine. We love to repeat. Yeah. Again, how are you ever going to remember an anecdote if you don't hear it a couple times? You know, you have to. I, lo- I, I don't I fa- I famously don't remember anything that happens ever. <laughs> And I remember everything that is not important. Um, That's good. So anything like, unfortunately, one of the things I don't remember is like when I've told you all a story, but I can remember the thing from like 17 years ago just fine. My brain don't work no more. <laughs> um, look, we're all, and we all are the same. Everyone's the same. I haven't told this story. Tell. Okay. So um, my my mom's best friend um, is this wonderful woman named Gail who is like very spiritual, super fun. She was like my writing and comedy mentor when I was a little kid. Oh, uh, just the best. And, and she and her husband Battle and her son Luke are like a second family to us. And every summer uh, we got to see them a lot because they would come and they would stay in this old family cabin on Squam Lake which is this really beautiful lake up in New Hampshire. It's where On Golden Pond was filmed. It's the best. It's so nice. And the cabin, it was so cool, so great. This like massive porch, a whole beach. It was really, really wonderful. But when we would stay the night, my brothers and I, there would be old photographs in the rooms that we stayed in. And the pictures, like the way the eyes, where the pupils sat in each of the photographs, it was just the thing where they would follow you and um no. and we none of us could ever sleep in separate rooms we'd all have to sleep in the same room because the photographs creeped us out that's so sweet maybe yeah. that's why they put the photographs in there so they wouldn't have to do as much laundry oh that makes sense and then there was there i think there was a room that really we were supposed to sleep in which was like the kids room which was over the um it was like on a landing um, over the like living room where the fireplace was, but none of us would sleep in there because it, you would just get a very strange feeling. There was like an old baby carriage in there and big old paper lanterns. The vibe of it was very spooky, but the rest of the cabin I have very positive associations with. Oh, good. Yeah, my my aunt has some really nice, which I now understand to be like good art in her house, but mm-hmm. it was like, she had a bunch of framed um, cross stitches of like Fiddler on the Roof and like a Torah. Oh, wow. Um, and then there's one that's like an art deco sort of half of it's a little bit. I think it might be the cover of a Great Gatsby book oh. um, that's like uh, half a woman's face and a rose and like a tear. Yes, I know the one. Yeah. And then maybe also a Phantom of the Opera something. But I remember just being a little bit spooked by that art. As a kid, um, that that's not a burn. That's just right. I mean, also everything. It's it's funny thinking back to what you thought was scary as a kid, because so much of it tends to involve sleeping over at someone else's house. 
<laughs> and and it's more yeah. of a reflection of like being away from your comfort zone or your parents. Um, totally. But it's, it's like an, a little bit of a paradigm shift. Exactly. And so like that creates these new fears that you wouldn't think of as being scary. Um, I remember when people would sleep over at my house, we would usually sleep in the family room, which had a big loft. And so the ceilings were super tall. And it used to creep oh, yeah. people out at night to look up and just have the ceiling be so far away. <laughs> I get that. That yeah. makes sense. You need ceiling to be a little bit close. Not too close. <laughs> uh, but I think something – like one of the best compliments I ever got was uh, my friend Michael Cox uh, used to love it to sleep over it at, our, at my house because he would say like, I just feel like nothing bad could ever happen here. <laughs> that is accurate. That's true. Which I was like a very nice thing. It's true. Also, was that the same loft where you saw the people moving in in the middle of the night and yes. then you didn't tell your friend that it was fine? And I terrified my friends and, accidentally and they called my house at like two o'clock in the morning and my dad was like, Andy, stop terrifying your friends. <laughs> and and you know what? You didn't listen and thank God because now we have this podcast. <laughs> it's true. It's we true. We love to terrify our friends. So that's my little take on haunted paintings. Haunty painties. Haunty paint. <laughs> Okay. Oh boy. That's good. Thank you, Andrew. Those are so good. Oh, thank you. This it's absolutely your lane. I feel like haunted paintings. Yes, haunted objects. I also feel like everyone now is maybe getting a little more acquainted with the items in their home. We're maybe spending more time yeah. looking at our paintings and photographs. Um and yeah, maybe Jason noticed a pipe in the parking garage that he didn't know was there before. Hey, listen, anything's possible during social distancing. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, should we do scary ideas for things that could happen? I would love that. Okay. You're sitting in a bus station somewhere in upstate New York. And it's raining a little bit. And you're sitting under the awning with your bag. And then you realize you can't remember how you got there. And the windows are all boarded up. And there's weeds all over the parking lot. And then you see a really old bus pull into the bus depot. And it pulls up and stops. And the door opens. And a person comes down the stairs and looks at you and says, I'm having a dream. And then you die. Oh, that could happen. <laughs> or no, you don't die. Like they wake up and like you were in their dream. Like <laughs> your whole thing is that you're in a dream. Does that make sense? It does. Okay, good. And it could happen. It could, that could happen. <laughs> I love, I love experimenting with the form and structure of these. You have to. Um, okay. okay. Here's mine. You've bought yourself a potted plant because you've decided that you're at the point in your adult life where you should have a plant that is not artificial and is a real living thing. (laughs) And you take such good care of it. You pour water on it every day. You trim uh, new, you trim old leaves out. Um, you even put some leftover food 
in the soil. Oh. And you've noticed that when you go to sleep at night, you hear from where the plant is on your ottoman a sound like lips smacking. <gasps> like... And you go out and you look around and there's no one there. You turn on the light, you look at the plant, there's nothing wrong. But sure enough, every night after you put little bits of food in the soil, you hear lips smacking. And gradually you begin to wonder, am I bringing this plant to life? Is it growing a mouth? So you decide that you're going to camp out and get to the source of it. So you sit there with all the lights off and you put a little bit of sloppy joe into the soil and you wait for hours and hours and hours. And then from under the ottoman, you see a little hand reach up into the soil, pluck out the morsel of food and go down under the ottoman where you hear a little person eating the sloppy joe bit. Uh, that, that could, could happen. happen. Oh my god, it wasn't the plant, it was a, a person. Yeah, maybe like a maybe like a gnome or a goblin. Andrew, that's scary. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that, goblin? I also oh think God. Ottomans are inherently scary. They are, because they want to be couches, but they'll never will be. <laughs> and also anything that has a dust ruffle, like, what are you hiding except dust? I want to see Show under Show us there. your legs. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh Gentle listener, thank you so much for tuning in again. Yeah, um, we so appreciate it. And we got some really lovely messages from folks. Um, we got some messages from people who work uh, in medicine, some nurses, even some doctors. And we want to thank you all for everything you're doing during this stressful time. And Truly all healthcare workers and and also people working at Trader Joe's oh my and gosh, Aldi's yeah. and Albertsons and all the grocery stores that are keeping everyone that you guys are really on the front lines in a way that um other people aren't and y'all deserve hazard pay that's true we really value everything you're doing and people who work as delivery people and in any kind of amazon capacity (laughs) if you're working during this or if you're not and you don't know what's going to happen, we, we love you and we thank you and we salute you. Yeah. And hopefully we're going to learn from this and, and make it so the world is better. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Wow. Andrew, should we be president? I together? think, I, listen, with how well-spoken I just was, I think yes. I think the answer is yes. If I were someone who didn't like me and I heard myself talk just now, I'd feel so correct. <laughs> Anna, I love you lots. I love you, Andrew, and I love you, listeners, and yeah. to everyone else who isn't listening right now. <laughs> get, get out. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.